You're listening to We Die First, a podcast for black horror fans by black horror fans. Spooky Squad. Spooky Squad. Uh, I didn't warm up today, so that's all you're. No, gonna, it's okay. That's all you're gonna get. I didn't either. I was actually planning on trying to do a demon voice, and then. I just like didn't feel like committing to it, so I just didn't. I just <laughs> settled for that. <laughs> oh man. I mean, sorry, I got a weird call from my work, and I'm gonna ignore it because it's uh, it's after five, so you know I'm not working. <laughs> Jobs, who needs them? I I wish. I'm tired of them. I used to shit yeah, on my mom sick. all the time because she'd be like, oh, I can't wait to retire. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. All you do is sit in the computer and type all day. And that's what I do now. And I fucking hate it. No, it's awful. I the only, I mean, really the only thing I miss about having a job, and I think most people would agree, is money. Weird. But otherwise, like, you really, when you really think about it, jobs are dumb. Like, the, the act of of working and the fact that we build a society around which your entire life is finding a job and then keeping that job is stupid yeah name one time <laughs> really name another time in life when you want to find one thing and keep it not allowed to talk about relationships <laughs> it's gonna bring up an unwanted pregnancy but i feel like that was a little <laughs> too <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's still a bit too much <laughs> It's definitely not too little. <laughs> Andrew, how are you doing? I'm phenomenal. Honestly, couldn't be better. I. That's it. Oh, I did that onion workshop this weekend. That was super dope. Shout! Oh my gosh, we we didn't even shout. You- Ugh, I'm a terrible co-host and friend. I didn't shout you out last week about this awesome thing tell the people about what you're doing this is really cool oh man it's already done it was shout out to D- diverse as fuck comedy fest um they Wait, was it a one a one day thing it was a two-day thing so they partner with the oh. onion and they give uh-huh. you a two-day it's two hours each day but a two-day workshop mm-hmm. on you know satire writing but specifically i mean they tried to make it pretty broad which was cool of them but mm-hmm. they did go hyper specific into this is exactly what we look at. This is how we look at things. So then, you know, we would, right. you know, it's like uh, in my particular group, there was 17 to 20 of us. I don't remember. But mm-hmm. we, you know, we write onions. They show us it's like you make some observation. Basically, they're also saying, you know, you can use this like jokes um, to write jokes but for us the joke is the headline you know so yeah. like with any joke you have an observation and then you just need to have a take on it and you know and this is like standard satire things because you know they did say like a lot of that because it's intellectual property sh- you know shit so they don't want you like sharing everything so i'm not doing i'm not saying anything that's not been said in every satire workshop ever but Right. But they go into specifics like this is exactly what we look for if you're trying to contribute to us. And then one of the cool things about this, which maybe I just didn't pay attention to the application process for this, but Mm -hmm. um, we get a contributor 
trial where we just submit shit for a couple weeks, I guess. And then at the end of it, we either do or do not get hired as contributors. <laughs> you know, cool. which is like, you know, not like they're fucking staff writers, but that's a cool like that's that's still really awesome. I love you dropped that very casually. And it's like, that's a big deal. Yeah, I'm a very humble person. I'm either very humble or I'm very in your face and you not went humble. to school. You went to school for music. Plus, you're a comedian. Like false and false. Oh no, no that's it. That's why I went to school for music, <laughs> and they beat <laughs> any sense of self worth out of you. It's like whiplash without the. Fi- it's all mental abuse. It's not physical. So it's whiplash without the fun. Yeah, for the teacher. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm better off because I'm not being physically abused as well, but the teacher's like, "Oh man, that was my workout. Now I just have <laughs> now I only have to flex my brain instead of my actual arms." I don't know. No no teacher beat me. We're done. How are you? I'm okay. Um Yeah, I'm fine. I think I'm just at like a a, a place of like almost like stasis. Like, you know, it's where we're getting into the season. I love this season, of course. But um, I was saying earlier, it's been very gloomy the past few days. I've been inside watching a lot of television, a lot of movies. So I think my brain is just kind of like in need of some stimulation, which I'm actually happy that we're we're recording today because like I need to like wake up because I feel like I've just been kind of like in a zombified state. For the past few days, in a good way, not in like a I'm depressed, but in like a no, this is wonderful that I get to sit here and tackle like the Marvel Cinematic Universe for the first time oh, yeah. and like watch Dan's mom. There's a lot of bullshit, but now I'm like, okay, now I need to like jumpstart and like do stuff because, yeah. I'm really shocked you are only now experiencing the MCU. Except for Black Panther, which I feel like should go on set like I, of course i've seen black panther but like what's black panther? everything else <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> who's that <laughs> um but no yeah i haven't seen any other or until this weekend i hadn't seen any of them like not a minute of any other of those movies so it was fun kind of um just like sitting back and starting from iron man and being like okay these movies are cute like i like i get it like i get the hype like these are these are fun. Like, I really, like, I've enjoyed some more than others, but like, oh, okay, like, this is nice. So I left off at, I think, I think I'm due for the next, the second Captain America movie. I'm on phase two. Look at you. Man, you're plowing through them. No, I literally, one of these days, I think Saturday, I just like, one after another, like, boom, boom. <laughs> I sat there and watched so many movies. But they're fun. I like them. I like them. Dude, you know what else is fun and what I like? Your fucking tweets. Where can we find your tweets? Ugh, my tweets. Um, if you want to see some semi-funny tweets and also my my first attempt at Thirst Trap, um, looks like you guys are already quenched, so didn't care much for it. That's fine. You can find me at say underscore anything. That's S-E-Y underscore A-N-Y-T-H-I-N-G. Um, how about you, Andrew? If you want to see me be funny and not take down my co-host's thirst traps, which I didn't, I truly didn't, because I'm a- Which you threatened to- I didn't threaten- You threatened- I, Yes, I, you threatened to to drag me on the internet, and I'm like, wow, 
as if like women aren't exposed to enough abuse on the internet, even our friends. <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't threaten. I said I nearly did, but then I realized I appreciate you as a human too much, and these were too crass of jokes to unleash on someone I cared about. I did almost. I did get my first weird message from someone though the other day. Ooh, there you go. Well, that weird message didn't come from my Twitter, which is Andrew. Un- <laughs> Which is Andrew <laughs> underscore on underscore drums. You're like, now me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please. I would kill to have someone weirdly message me because that meant that I was popular enough in someone's eyes that they unsolicited thought I would give a shit about their opinion on my appearance. Yeah. He told me that I should smile in my profile picture. If I want to be, actually, I'll read it to you. It was kind of funny. It was just like, what? You should have been like, I was going for a blue steel kind of look, a little Zoolander. I mean, he's an idiot. He's clearly doesn't know me because I don't smile that much in any pictures I take, actually. But he said, you should smile more in your profile pic. <laughs> These are laughing emojis. <laughs> How else will you succeed unless you smile? So let me explain this joke. I just found you on Twitter, and I'm already a fan. Carry on with your bad self. I'm in... I'm... What? (laughs) Don't you guys love my... How... When you... If any of you ever text me a laughing emoji, I read it as... (laughs) God damn. (laughs) Just so you know. (laughs) Good to know from here... From henceforth. Oh, my God. But anyway, fuck that guy. You know what that guy needs? An exorcism. You know who does an exorcism? Uh, that, the, the guy, the people in this movie called The Exorcist. <laughs> that was so terrible. I didn't say I was good at my job. <laughs> I have one. Um, so we watched, we watched The Exorcist, um, which, I mean, of course, it's still a heavy hitters Halloween. You can't have one without The Exorcist. Like, it's the movie that we all grew up with. If you didn't watch, you heard about it, I'm sure, from your parents of like, I don't know if this happened to you. My mom saw this in theaters in like the 70s. Um, I think she was in the States at the time. She was a student and she like was very upset by this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my mom frequently, I never saw it. This is my first time seeing it all the way through. Mm. And any time I witnessed a little bit of it, I was an adult. But it's because my mom talked about it constantly when we got around Halloween time. And it was, she was like, this movie scared the shit out of me. And I Mm -hmm. could not, like, I had nightmares for a month. I was like, what? Yes. I I think, I think if every, if you have parents, I guess boomer parents, honestly, ask them about the extras. I think a lot of them have a story about having seen this movie or refusing to see it because everyone they knew had seen it and were like, no, don't watch this shit. It's terrifying. Um, It's, um, it's funny watching it. Like, in the generation we are, right? <laughs> it's very interesting. When I first saw it, though, I was, I want to say maybe 13. So it was still scary for me. I think I just was 13. <laughs> yeah. Like, scared of everything. But, like, not so scary to me today. Just because, like. Yeah. I see. We've been exposed to way more. <laughs> like, I l- like literally, awesome. I watched a news roundtable with Chris Christie today. And that was far scarier than this fucking movie ever could hope to be. I know I can name a few like Disney Channel original movies that I felt like were scarier. Like, don't look under the bed. Did you ever watch that? Yeah. 
Yeah, that was shit was scary. <laughs> like, or, that was a really upsetting movie. Or The Color of Friendship. Terrifying. I know. White South Africans. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, That did throw, did throw me for Marty. a loop. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I wish I had editing skills that would take the, the little trailer from that and just make it into like a horror movie. It's like this little like, whenever she Mari Bach shows up, you just play like the violins when she <laughs> comes in. But um, yeah, but you know, I think it still holds up in a different way. It's not as scary as I think it probably was to 1973 audiences, but I still think it's a really good creepy movie. That you know, it's a classic. You kind of have. I feel like you have to watch it just for the sake of saying you've seen it. Yeah. Right. Um, yes, The Exorcist from 1973, directed by William Friedkin. Um, it's based off of the novel um, The Exorcist by William Peter Blatty. It stars Ellen Burstyn, Max von Sydow. Is that how you say his last name? Couldn't I don't know. Tell you. The actor who plays Doctor, I mean, not Doctor, um, definitely not Doctor. Um, <laughs> Father Marin, who the actor actually just died this year at 90. Damn. Crazy. Yeah, he's old as fuck. He was. Um, And of course, Linda Blair. Um, It's about a 12-year-old girl named Reagan who becomes possessed by a demon. And her mother does everything in her power to try to rescue her and eventually turns to these two priests to conduct an exorcism. You know? It's got all the things you love in a movie like this. Yeah, it has everything you've come to expect from horror movies, like the very beginning when (laughs) the music starts and it's, you know, like Middle Eastern, almost kind of, for a second I thought it was like Carnatic singing and then it wasn't, but I was like, what the hell is going on? Because I never knew the beginning, so I didn't know it was going for the setup in Iraq. So I was right. I was when I very first saw thrown. this, I felt the same way. Yeah, I thought we were gonna like. As far as I knew, when I first saw it, it's like, oh, I know this girl gets possessed. They're in America. I don't really know the circumstances of it, but I remember seeing it and being like, I think I actually was watching it on like AMC. That had to be and painful. I was like, and I was like, wait, yeah, it was also heavily edited, <laughs> but I was like, wait, this is like the right movie, right? I was like, I don't. <laughs> Like, why are we in the middle? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> like, what's happening? <laughs> but um, we meet Father Marin, um, who's a Catholic priest. And um, he's on, like, an archaeological dig in this city in Iraq. And he comes upon this, like, amulet while digging. Um, it's funny reading the Wikipedia because it gives you a lot of backstory. I'm like, we don't actually know any of exactly. that about him. Like, you know that about Father Marin in later I think from the books and also from sequels, like about him, like having performed an exorcism in the fifties, and like we we don't know that actually in this movie this, at all. Watching it, it was, and this is like a hot take from going through it. But my first thing I thought of, well, because the Iraq scene, like really, he finds that amulet, and that's, but it's not as dramatic as where it sounds. You know, it's like. It Mm -mm. it was just matter of fact. Like, he's like, oh, I found this. This is part of the shit we found. And then it's him taking pills to show that he has a drug problem. And I don't know. That's not it. (laughs) Heart condition, Yeah, Yeah. You know, he's like, he's sick and he needs these pills to stop shaking. And like, this kind of goes on for a while. And then 
just random shots of him traversing throughout his day as a archaeolo- like archaeological father. And then he goes <laughs> to this, and there's this weird demon statue with a snake penis. And then it cuts to America. We're in Georgetown. But that whole bit lasts like 10 or 15 minutes. And when I got to the end of the movie, I'm like, that was pointless. Because, and I mean, I know the sequels, they do more shit. And, you Mm -hmm. know, the book, it ties more into that. But as far as this movie, if you were to just just watch this movie, it was pointless. And it did absolutely nothing. As a standalone movie, yeah. As a standalone movie, it is nothing. And I, again, I think... um, I was doing, I was reading up the Wikipedia page before we started recording. My understanding, the author of The Exorcist, William Peter Blatty, had a lot to do, or like he did influence a lot of like the screenwriting and the, um, well, actually, he wrote the screenplay. So it's no surprise that he probably added some things that were like, was his book, you know? So he added shit that I think that he thought was relevant. And it is relevant in the greater context of the Exorcist cinematic universe. But like in this movie, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, okay, like, okay. He loves like, you know, his Indiana Jones fantasy, like good for him. I love that for him. Um, But like, we don't care, but we're in Georgetown. And um, this actress named Chris McNeil played by Ellen Burstyn, who, when I tell you, I mean, we'll get into it because we ha- we can't talk about this movie without talking about William Friedkin and how he abused Ellen Burstyn throughout this movie. And it's like that classic 1970s director bullshit of like, I'm going to get a good performance. So I'm going to break your back and I'm going to do this fucked up shit to you to get this scene. But like, she does a phenomenal job. Like she really carries this movie on her back. In my opinion. I'm... Um- are you not an Ellen Burstyn fan? I, I love her. No, uh, again, I'm just not wholly vested in any one thing in my life. So I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, I know this. I don't. Well, I guess I guess I'm standing her. One, I've already established that I have a soft spot for single, single moms. You do. It's, it's, it's adorable because you say this. But it comes out without you need. You'll just be like, "Oh, I very much love this woman. She's the best person in the world." You know, she just I love her, and she worked so hard. And then we we say, "Sneak," is it because she's a? Oh yeah, did I tell you? I, I like. I just have a thing for single mothers. Well, you know, I was raised by one, so it's like I have a very, I think, a special relationship to seeing single parents on or single mother specifically on screen it's just like it's because it's a unique re- relationship you're like the 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 one caretaker oftentimes having to take on like multiple roles i think it, i think it makes for an interesting story usually i think the, that single parent not just moms but single parent stories i think are way more interesting than like ki- families with like two parents it's like it's boring i want to see like yeah, fuck that. a broken family i want to see a broken home huh i was like yeah fuck those people with a stable household <laughs> <laughs> fuck stable families <laughs> fuck a healthy not in, family not implying that having two parents makes that a stable family in any way shape or form no no i got you i got you i know you're i know what you're saying um but um yeah so she's an actress and she's filming on location in georgetown um this <laughs> activist movie but like everyone hates her this i really want to know more about this movie because yeah. she's just like these kids are like protesting against the war and she's like, hey, hey, you kids, you can't, you guys are radicals. And I'm like, oh, she's the worst. <laughs> like- I know. Well, because 
It's like the scene is you want to save the building too, but you're going about it a different way. And she just has these dumb lines like, you know, there's better ways to protect things like following the law. <laughs> and you're and like, like the, honey, the, the students are just like, no, no. <laughs> She's like, listen, listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so, it's like an unintentionally funny scene because it's like, I mean, it's it's really just useless show. Like, she's in a movie, but like, right? What, <laughs> why is she a bootlicker? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> um, yeah, so she's filming this um, this movie, and um, I think something that's done really well in this movie is the way that they are able to establish the relationship between Chris and her daughter Reagan. Reagan, because we meet Reagan, she's a cute little twelve year old. Um, she likes to draw. She's very artistic. She's you know an only child, and we immediately get the 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 warmth and like the love of like Chris that she is a hardworking actress and like takes her daughter with her. She's not in some boarding school. She's like right. that, there with that, her. I did very present. much note that that this mother, because I feel my perception of my perception of famous parents, no matter how well intentioned or nice they are, that they are very mm-hmm. distant. Unless you're Chrissy Teigen and John Legend, you are very distant from your children. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she was not. I mean, especially in that time period, but she, no. Yeah. You would expect, I think, the word used the trope of kind of like, I mean, there is a cocktail party later, but I would expect her to be like, oh, just a woman about town. Reagan's taken care of by the nanny. And she's just kind of living this life. And it's like, no, she comes home like, any parent she's like hey hey, sweetie like even more so she still has the help you know around (laughs) Mm -hmm. but then she can just focus on only hanging out with reagan yeah and i think that's like i think was a really great choice in the characters because it it made what happens later i think um and it's again i don't think this movie is very scary today but i think the emotional weight of what's happening I think is still impactful because of the relationships. And it's like, we have a good sense of who these people are in this movie. I like that about it. Um, but yes, yeah, but when she comes up with the Reagan, Reagan's playing with a Ouija board, which we're just like, Oh no, 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 no girl playing with a Ouija board. And um, they're contacting uh, Reagan's imaginary friend, which I'm like a little bit too old for imaginary friends. No, she's 12. Yeah. But also maybe, maybe she just is, even just so sprightly and she's just maintained that youthful innocence because you know they don't really say what t- like time of year it is but they're shooting mm-hmm. on campus and there are mm-hmm. other people around presumably going to school so it, yeah. it looked like it wasn't summer term and everyone was out you know so sh- is she homeschooled i guess then you know and if she right. is see her go- like, yeah that i always i'm i'm gonna stereotype i totally think homeschool kids are a little weirder so yeah so maybe she, you know <laughs> so she's 12 and she's homeschooled she has an imaginary friend named captain howdy you know that's probably great like a, a 12 year old daughter of like an act of like a movie star in the 70s like good for her that she's just playing with you her know? imaginary friend she could be like freaking tatum o'neill just like doing coke <laughs> <laughs> like, doing drugs like partying and shit like you know what you're right this is good for reagan yeah <laughs> Yeah, she's, like, contacting this imaginary friend, and they just, like, play, and, like, you know, whatever. No big deal. Like, Ouija boards. Fun stuff. Um, 
do we at this point i think when we uh, i'm realizing that the wikipedia is like not totally in order i think it's after that is that when we meet father Karras? we we've seen him prior because he he right. goes to take care of his mom so we see that uh father mm-hmm. Karras, his mom is taking his mom has like a busted leg and she's not doing so well she lives by herself so he visits her and helps to take care of her and spend time with her um i really liked because when he got on the the subway to go down and meet her there's this Mm -hmm. uh bum laying there asking for change and he goes father can you help an old altar boy i'm a catholic and then i was thinking (laughs) way to relate and then like <laughs> like a, like the good Christian he was, he turned a blind eye to the poor and just left. Yeah, well, you know, he's, they're Catholic, so. Yeah, that's a little different. A little different how they do. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, he just loves to hoard wealth. Yeah. <laughs> so, fuck you. <laughs> but, yeah, so he, um, Father Karras, you're right, because we actually saw a glimpse of him when, during the scene, when, um. Chris is filming that one scene from the movie. He's there. Like, he's, he works at Georgetown, but he just, like, was there, like, watching it happen. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, now we meet him and his mom and stuff. And, you know, it's it's a very – it's very sad. Like, his mom like, – she lives in this, like, really dilapidated, like, apartment, like, in the hood. Like, he's walking to her apartment. There's, like, kids, like, jumping on top of, like, a gutted car. <laughs> like, yeah. That thing. It's like New that York City in the did. 70s. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. We didn't have nothing except gutted cars. <laughs> like, that was our trampoline. <laughs> Those kids are having a great time. That's a, the part of Sesame Street they don't show you. You just go a few blocks the over. The fun part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, she's by herself and stuff. But then, okay, I've had a hard time understanding this. We're not totally going in order. I think that's fine. But... Father Karras's mother um, ends up in, like, involuntarily committed to a mental facility. Do you understand what happened between her having broken her legs and then being tied down to a bed? Because I've seen this movie multiple times, and I still don't quite understand what happened. Well, I think uh, it's... Um, sorry, I have to jump around a bit. So she, something happened, like, I'm assuming it was a fall or whatever, right? And then, and then so his uncle, Mm -hmm. when, you know, responded and they were like, well, this is the only place we can send her. So they'll fix her up and then she'll, you know, she'll be out in a little bit. And then, so I think they were just treating her poorly because they're a psych mm-hmm. ward in the 70s yeah and also they don't have money because i mean he's a jesuit priest so he doesn't have money <laughs> yeah and that's you know because that's when he was like why didn't well, you could have sent her anywhere else and then his uncle says where would you have, who has the money to send her to a private hospital and then we get the scene of father father Karras boxing you know, a punching bag to let out his frustration to show that yeah. he has different interests than just God. Yeah, they they do kind of laid on thick of like Father Karras is a priest, but like he's he he tells us like my you know my faith is kind of 
you know, faltering. So we see him, he's kind of like, he's he's an interesting priest, I think, when you juxtapose him to Father Marin, who we fully meet later on when the exorcism finally happens, who definitely seems more like kind of the old school, like the priest. But like Father Karras is like, he boxes, he drinks, he smokes, he's like, right. he's like, he does, he's a therapist, like he like, kind of, yeah. you know, he's a cool guy. Like, he's like i guess the catholic equivalent of like a youth church, church youth group yeah. like leader just like hey kid, like you know you go into father Karras's office he's gonna sit on his desk and be like hey hey kid pull out a guitar maybe i don't know i like i've never been to a catholic church i like how <laughs> I, I was i was a bit confused and he does explicitly say it later we'll get to it but for the whole time because and when I would look it up on Wikipedia, they would list him as Father, but Doctor Karras. So right. then, I, so then I was really ambiguous. I, it was, I was in the weeds. If he was a doctor that was just coerced into joining the clergy because they said they would need that, you know, or if he was a member of the church and then was like, oh well, maybe I should get my doctorate in psychology. <laughs> Or psychotherapy, right? Which he does uh-huh. go into later. But for some reason, that was a weird hang up for me until he rectified it. Yeah, I'm actually, I clicked on his name because he has a whole Wikipedia page, Damien Karras. Um, they just have him listed as like a Jesuit psychiatrist. I don't know when, but I'm assuming maybe while he was like, um, I don't know the process of one becoming a priest, but maybe simultaneously, like he was also like studying. I don't know. But what's important is that that's his his deal, right? Um, I guess we can cut back to Chris and Reagan. Um, so some some things start to happen with Reagan, obviously. Um, so Chris has his party, which is insane. I will say it's a pre- it's a pretty swinging party. <laughs> it's swinging, <laughs> but also just from a movie standpoint, it's really. And one of the thing for me, one of the things that made this not terribly scary for me is that focusing a lot on just relationships or there just seemed like a lot of everyday moments. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, to get to the horror spooky stuff, it was it took some time to get into it. So you were very oh, yeah. much it's a slow burn. You were very settled into, you know, it was just the sh- random shots, the vignettes of this party were insane. Like Burke, the director or whatever, yeah. just kept, he just random. what does he say? He's like, there seems to bear, be an errant pubic hair in my drink. <laughs> and the person goes, what? <laughs> well, I didn't put it there. And then it goes to someone talking something. And then it goes back to Burke. And he goes to this guy and he says, so were you the propaganda meister? For the oh yeah, it's their butler. <laughs> yeah, he's like, were you this? He's like, I think vaguely German, and he's just well, he's, like, he's like, I'm Swiss, <laughs> and he's like, yes, of course, and he just keeps like that's just a theme. He keeps calling him a Nazi throughout the entire party, and like the butler finally like flips on him, yeah, and, like, tries to fight him. So like, yeah, you kind of are just like, especially it's the seventies, so, like. Holocaust happened within recent memories. So it's like, yeah, don't joke about, don't be a Nazi. Not yeah, funny. right. I also not funny then. I also feel like <laughs> the the Catholic Church maybe floated this movie some money to be like, hey, make look make being a priest look kind of fun. Like you can smoke and drink, and the one priest is playing right. so he's just playing the piano. And not to be not to read into it or play into stereotypes, but for some reason, I was like, he's very flamboyant. He's yeah, okay, he's gay. Okay, yeah. He, I I I <laughs> he's playing. He's I feel like. like I don't think it's stereotypes. I think that he's coded as gay. I don't think I think it's 
I got that. Like, like, I think he's, he's like, my version <laughs> of heaven is I'm playing this every night. And he's like, <laughs> super kind of campy just in that little like 10 second thing when he's behind the yeah. piano. Uh, Father Dyer, that's his yeah. name. I was trying to look for his name. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I think because, yeah, so at the, at the end of the party, everyone's like, and it also is my perfect, um, my vision of myself in the early 70s is at a party like this. Just like, oh, everyone's drinking, we're smoking, and then we're going like, to sing around the piano. It's just very, it's very camp and very like, but like you said, it's very normal. It's like, oh, it's just a party and people are just getting drunk or whatever. But um, there's an astronaut by his at this party. It's like mentioned, like, oh yeah, he's got, like someone. I think Father Dyer's talking to him about going to space at some point. It's like, oh cool, astronaut. <laughs> um, Reagan comes down, and um, she <laughs> turns to the astronaut, and she's like, "You're gonna die up there," just like <laughs> deadpan to this astronaut, and then like pees on herself, right? And everyone's very like, I couldn't. It's, it's a very awkward moment of like. I couldn't no, not we'll think about her. Scary Movie 2. <laughs> like, the whole time, obviously, because that's this movie is the main base for that, but the whole yeah. the whole time, I just... I, I actually was thinking of Scary Movie things and thought, why didn't they do that in this one? Because in the Scary Movie one, the mom comes and rubs her face in it. <laughs> like a dog. Yeah, and I was like, oh, why did, well, Chris, why didn't you do that? That scene also like lasts super long. Pees for so long. <laughs> but yeah, she like she pees and she like you know she takes her up. And this is when we, Reagan starts to exhibit strange in the beginning, just simply strange. Later gets violent, but strange behavior that starts to concern Chris. Um, initially, it's just kind of like oh, okay, like, you know the urination stuff. It's like okay, maybe something's going wrong, wrong with her, but. But you got like our first big kind of possession scene and it's when Reagan is on the bed and she's like – it's shaking violently and she's like literally being thrown yeah. about. And Chris witnesses it and is freaking out too. And I love – another reason I love Chris, not just because she is a – A what? A single mom. A what? A single mom. <laughs> single mom. <laughs> single mom. <laughs> I want to be a single mom. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait to be seen mom <laughs> like um i she's well written because out the gate there's no like something's wrong with reagan but like kind of like oh it's not probably nothing she's immediately tapped in concerned like she sees his bed she's like oh no this something is something is up she starts taking reagan to doctors and of course they can't find anything wrong with her. Man. Like, they are take, doing these tests. They're, they're saying, oh, maybe she's, like, epileptic. They're saying, oh, she's got some tumor. Like, they, they don't fucking know what's going on. I really like one of the doctors. And it was a very serious moment because, like you said, Chris is asking, like, what the hell is going on with my daughter? Blah, blah, blah. And the doctor just very serious says, the problem with your daughter isn't the bed. It's her brain. Like, like, like she was oh, sorry. like she I was sitting here like a temper pedic like, like oh, oh damn me. yeah she's just sleeping on her side <laughs> fucked up and now she's insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, all yeah, of the she, she all the machinery straight. they use for those medical tests in the seventies look like shitty transformers. I mean, I would be terrified. Like, have you been? Have you ever had medical procedures of any kind? <laughs> 
I don't know. You know, some people are lucky and they've never seen <laughs> no, the, the inside. No, the way you said that. Um, no, no, not really. I, I had, I think the, the creep, it wasn't scary to me, but I think what people consider scary. Like I've had an, um, whatchamacallit, an MRI. Before. Okay, but you know, that machine, so, yeah. and like it, you know, it's new age. It's like modern technology and it looks sleek and you're not worried that it's going to compress you and kill you. But th- yeah. this machinery, I I would be scared to have any test if I was in the seventies because all those no, things it's, they're all they're all built by the same people who made the Ford Pinto. It's like <laughs> this is like this thing is gonna combust. Any <laughs> um, yeah, she goes through all these tests, um, but nothing comes up. One night, um, while Chris is out, so Chris, she's um, she's out someplace. There's a nanny. I can't remember the nanny's name, but the nanny is, is with Reagan, and she leaves Reagan with Burke, the director, because she had to go get Reagan's medicine. And this is actually the scene that is in the director's cut, the infamous spider walk scene. But in have you seen that scene? No, no, because I've never seen the director's cut, but I've seen like the YouTube video. But there's like. So in the scene, right, like, so Chris comes home. She's mad at the nanny. Like, why would you leave her? She's like, well, Burke was supposed to be here. But now they're like, what's going on? Of course, we find out that Burke has been thrown out of a window mysteriously while he was with Reagan. And it's like, Burke? But in that same scene, when she's talking to the nanny, it's really weird. Reagan comes down the stairs, but she's like, on all fours and she's doing this weird like licking thing like a snake and then she gets back like kind of crap here's something something that's like a, like mm-hmm. a bridge yeah and she like goes down the stairs like that and it's very unsettling <laughs> and then she comes after her mom like licking at her ankles it's strange i'm happy they actually cut it out i think it's it's just weird i don't, I don't like it <laughs> but yeah so he's but he's fall he's been thrown out of this window and is dead but um they're now being investigated by this lieutenant lieutenant Kinderman who is like what? so he just fell out the window like you know he thinks something something happened here like this man like, was thrown clearly out of the window <laughs> and then like they also eventually are like you know his head was clearly twisted behind like a 180 <laughs> degree twist behind him you know that's not good that's not gonna happen when you just land <laughs> on your neck and they're like oh i mean maybe though you don't know there's (laughs) i I do like there's just it's not a trend but there are just these nice moments of people believing in really they won't believe in something that's not an irrational stretch you know like Uh when the doctors are start when they they start all the diagnoses and shit and they're like Hmm, you know, or Chris says, maybe it's multiple personalities. And they'll say, there have only been a hundred documented cases of, you know, legitimate split personality. But then the thing they were saying before was, you know, there's this super rare condition. It's one in a million. And your daughter has that. But for some reason, believing that she had multiple personalities was too much. Was was, was less <laughs> believable. I'm like, what the? Yeah. It was a nice moment of just how ridiculous doctors are sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But she, like, things are getting worse for Reagan after Burke's death. 
Um, she's behaving in very vulgar ways. Um, we, I think this is when we get the scene where like, um, like she, like at one point she's be, like, she's, um, being hypnotized by this like psychologist and she like grabs him by the balls. <laughs> Another time she like, um, I mean, this movie is, it's, it's, it was very controversial at the time because there are a lot of scenes that are just like really fucked up. Um, is this when she does the thing with the crucifix? Was that before or after um, the priest? I th- oh no this is before and then yes <laughs> um she goes because the doctors were upset right they're like you're gonna go to a psychiatrist you know and not trust us and then so that's when the the ball grabbing hypnosis happens and then <laughs> and then they diagnose her the doctors diagnose her with they let like we call it something something possession and it's when you see it in like indigenous oh, yeah. tribes and it's when you believe that an evil it's an evil spirit or something has entered your body but it causes it's you know this neurological thing but blah 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 and then so then- i mean which they're basically uh, they're basically just like describing i think what the medical sciences would regard as like oh it's just parano- paranoid delusions. right like she's just i do like but the problem but the problem with her thesis because i think a similar thing actually comes up in the exorcism of emily rose they kind of play with the same idea but i think part of it is typically like you also have to come from a culture where you believe that is true that like yeah. one can be possessed by a demon so it's odd that they would be like but that's what they eventually get chris to. makes it clear that they're not religious and then she's like how would she come yeah because yeah the doctors go well there is i like chris says 88 of the like the best doctors in the world and all you can do is tell like you can't tell me anything i'm like yeah that's that's the u.s like medical that's that's us baby like what do you want but (laughs) welcome to america sweetheart but then they (laughs) but then they basically prescribe an exorcism they're like it's not real it's not going to fix anything, but she's crazy in the head, so it's going to work. And that's when this circles back to what you were saying. When we get the scene of her, Chris, going into Reagan's room, and she's like, you know, as this movie progresses, she's like, her skin's all cut up and clearly demonic like phys- yeah. physically she's like hurting herself but, she's like and she's stabbing gross. herself with that crucifix in the crotch or like a thigh or whatever like she's yeah she's bleeding and then she shoves chris's face into her bloody face crotch it. and says lick it when i did not know that was when i first saw this movie i had heard about the crucifix scene and i remember like being just like what <laughs> like oh my god because it, I mean, it's it's this movie is very taboo it's it's the religious iconography it's like she's a child then it's like there's a lot with her mom it's just like a lot it's very this movie is triggering let's just say because that is really crazy but um yeah but chris eventually she's like okay i'm gonna she i think she connects his di- uh, dire so she's like i need to like help to find a priest i've met you at my party i want to talk to that father karis guy but the thing is, and I love that this, I think it adds a little bit of realism to the movie because it isn't just like, call it exorcist, and then they just show up and that right. happens. It's like, this- there's the, the reality, like, probably cares like, you know, we don't really do like, do that anymore. It's like, like, which is true. Like, you can't just get an exorcism. Like, they don't, the Catholic Church is pretty I do- much kind of embarrassed by it. Like, That's really cool, it, though. This movie did, so. yeah, that's really cool <laughs> that the Catholics are finally embarrassed yeah. about something they fucked up. <laughs> 
<laughs> Only thing that's ever embarrassed Catholic Church is the fact that they used to exercise yeah, people. Like, the Ooh. one thing they're like, yeah, yeah, that was bad. That I did. Was weird <laughs> when did you guys stop doing exorcisms? He's like, I don't know about the same time as modern science. <laughs> I'm like, what a line. Because <laughs> he just wasn't trying to be a dick. He's like, you know, we have science now. I just would love to think of like the first Catholic priest who like brings that up, like in whatever meeting of the art. I don't know what they call it, but like, like the exorcism question, like guys, like, okay, like I know, okay, I know you guys really love it. Like, it's exciting. I get it. It's fun. Like we get to put on the cool robes. There's the holy water. Like we have like the beat. It's fun. But like, they're like laughing at us. Guys, I can't walk I can't walk past any altar boy without them laughing at me and also kind of being nervous because you know I'm a I'm a priest. Um <laughs> Oh no. Oh god. Oh yeah. Mm, priest. <laughs> um but <laughs> so so Father Karis is like, okay, dope. I have to I have to collect evidence, which is also true to exorcism like, yeah you have to collect evidence like bring it to like there's a whole bureaucratic system you have to bring it to the to your to your i think local parish just to go up to like the archdiocese or like all the way maybe to the vatican like hey this is the case can we perform it like it's not something you just do right which okay gotta respect um some organization and you know a, a hierarchy i like that um so he meets um father Karras meets reagan and um they have a one of their first meetings. They're having a conversation. I gotta say, this demon's pretty charismatic. I like <laughs> these demons. I mean, this is also kind of the trend in a lot. It happens in a lot of movies, right? Where the demon doesn't mm-hmm. speak in like ancient Sumerian or old English. This thing speaks like you're talking. It it no. It keeps up with the lingo. You know. It yeah. It knows what's up. What do you think about it? It's a it's a it's a supernatural being. It's like what else does that I'm to all do? Know. It's just how it can, it can tap into like. Father Karras is issues with his mom. Like, I'm just like, say, I know everything. Like, I can just say anything. Like, so, because even like he starts to speak, Karras starts to speak, um, the demon starts to speak Latin to Karras. Karras responds in Latin. Then he starts speaking like, like French and just kind of like, just fucking, it's trolling him basically. Yeah. It's like refusing to communicate with him. It's kind of funny. The demon's got a sense of humor. Right. It's like, your mom, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, your mom's here. Would you like to leave a message? And I'm like, whew. Wow. That is, that is some, s- 70s sauce you're trying to throw his way he really is like he's really trying to get at him and then there's like the part where um she starts well she starts he records the demon speaking and there's like different voices coming out of her at once he throws holy water on her quote unquote he the demon freaks out but then he reveals to chris like there was no holy it was tap water like so it's like the demon is <laughs> dumb <laughs> like like I don't know what the demon's doing, like, well, the, or it believes it's holy water, so it acts that I don't fucking know the rules. Dude, ca- who, no one said here. Captain Howdy was the smartest demon. <laughs> he calls himself Captain Howdy. Yeah, you know, probably an idiot. This guy is like the beer guzzling <laughs> buffoon of the demon world. <laughs> um, but yes, it's at this point though he goes and oh. Well, also we get the the bit where like they're looking at her stomach and you have like the whole help me like it's being scratched into her stomach so now he's like okay no this girl's possessed um i mean just also i didn't even talk about and this is the thing with the william freakin bit and just how awful he was to ellen burston so there's that scene when they're in reagan's room and like she gets 
thrown like she gets slapped and like thrown across the room and like the the shiva robe is coming at her and when she gets thrown that scream you hear is ellen person actually like injuring her back because she wasn't told that she had she's like rigged up to a wire that's just like yank her back they didn't tell her how hard they're gonna do it and last minute or last minute she no she knew what they were going to do last minute freaking told the guy operating it to do it at its highest so I think she like dislocated her like her spine or something. Shit. She did some crazy shit where like you hear her scream, like she actually is like fucking up her back, like in that scene. I'm just like knowing that totally ruined the scene for me. I was like, oh fuck, like that's like, he did a lot of fuck shit. Like and I don't know what the deal was with with directors in the 70s because freaking did this. Uh, fucking Kubrick did this. They all just like abused their actors, and it was seen as like oh genius, but like no this. They were dicks. Like, these were not good guys. I was thinking, just because uh, we're on like the tangent of acting and directors. I mean, she was a great actor. Um, director's a dick. But like, Linda Blair, right? Reagan. Like, that, right. that was a solid performance for a child. Like, holy shit. So there was controversy, for one. For, well, one, because she's a child and performing pretty like crazy shit but there was a lot of controversy as well because i think she got um i want to say linda blair was was nominated for an academy award but she didn't do any of the voice acting there was a um yeah what is the woman's name yeah mercedes mccambridge was the voice actress who did the voice of the demon pazuzu we learned its name which is a stupid name um in in it and it was this whole to do because Linda Blair got nominated, but it was like, well, how much do we really give to Linda Blair? I mean, she did great, but a lot of what makes this performance excellent is like the voice acting and it is that too. So it was a kind of like a, Mm. it was weird. It was a weird kind of question like, well, it's almost like the, (laughs) I guess more wholesome version is like, um, like the whole Audrey Hepburn, My Fair Lady thing where like Marty Knox just did the singing. So it's like. Should she be nominated for anything? You didn't sing. So half of the the movie was singing. You didn't sing any of it. So I don't know if you really deserve to be nominated for it. See? (laughs) And and that's weird because that's still a problem today. And I'm bringing that up solely so I can shit on um, La La Land. You know, I've never seen that. So, what what are what is your? Oh, it's, ju- it's just you, what's, what's the shit about? I I only saw it because you know it was on a flight to Paris. I'm like, I have time, but you know, it clearly was was trying to be a golden age musical. Uh, uh-huh. The actors can sing, dance, and act, and the actors mm-hmm. could only act. You know, they would go for a big. Um. It, there's you know, it's if you want to hire someone that can act and sing make sure they can act and sing and then you yeah. could tell you, and there's also plenty of actors who can do that right and you could tell oh here it comes here's the big tap dancing break or here's the big dance break but you know right they like emma stone and who i like i love emma stone and ryan gosling's fine but you know they're mm-hmm. not dancers so they just did like a little fucking foot shuffle and that was it <laughs> i mm. mean their, like, their acting yeah. was fine, but, you know, the music and the dance was huge. So, yeah, I'm really glad they lost to Moonlight. The point is I'm glad that Moonlight won. <laughs> right. I mean, it's also, like, similar to, like, the lameness of it all, of, like, then forcing people to do live 
performances who like you made sing these songs that are one difficult to sing anyway insist that they do it live but then you also made them do many takes of it like any other movie but then their voices are tired and strained and i think hugh jackman even was like oh to get ready to be jean valjean i dehydrated myself and didn't eat i'm like that's not good for your voice how are you gonna sing like (laughs) this is so stupid like this is a dumb Dumb way to go about a musical. Not that's not what this is about, though. We digress. Um, yeah. So they are like, okay, cool. Um, Karis is like, we need to bring out the big guns because this little girl, her soul is in danger. Like this, this demon has told me, like I'm gonna stay in this girl's body and she rots in the ground. Like you really need to right. save her. And he's like, I gotta call uh, Father Marin because he knows what he's doing. And of course. You have the very infamous scene where Father Marin. I mean, it's it is the poster. It is every image you see of the exorcist. The exorcist is when he pulls up in his cab. And he's in front of the house and the lights on him. The demons like watching him. <laughs> like, she knows Marin's coming. He's like, Ooh. oh, the, again, Marin, this bitch. <laughs> I like how the demon like slow claps as Marin walks in. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, you know, it's like the pregame pep talk and Marin's like, all right, Damien, like this is how, basically he says, this is how not to fuck up an exorcism. Just don't don't talk to it like it's a thing. Mm-hmm. And then, Dan, which was nice because, you know, that he's going. <laughs> Dave was like, oh, Shavin talked to him the whole time. It's like, <laughs> like it's like, yeah, all I've been doing is having personal conversations. <laughs> so he's already going in like with a loss, you know, it's like. Yeah. Like, so we're trying to, he's trying to win on aggregate, and that might not happen. <laughs> but yeah, because like, Father Baron's like, the demon's gonna, like, he's gonna purposely, like, toy with you. He's gonna say some, like, fuck shit to you, to, like, to throw you off your game, okay, man? Like, they're, this is happening, they're suiting up, they're putting on their robes, right. they're putting on all their shit, like, and this, this, <laughs> getting ready. this whole exorcism bit, I mean, we're obviously going into it, but it, it finally happens at, like, an hour and a half into this fucking movie. You know, like yeah, the, the we don't, thing you with, don't see an exorcism for all the movie till the very end, and then final, and then like the last twenty five minutes, it's this, and you know, it's yes. it's a nice slow exorcism. <laughs> but you know, because like nowadays, in I'm, and I'm thinking of like the Conjuring is like there's the thing, and like the exorcism happens like twenty times, and it happens almost in the first third of the movie is when they start. Mm-hmm. And then you finally have the final real exorcism at the end where it's like, get the fuck out of this person. And they do. Mm-hmm. Whereas they just, it's all right here in this little chunk. Yeah. Yeah. And also like it, um, it doesn't, it has the bells and whistles of like an exorcism, which I mean, let's be honest, all these movies we know later took from this, like they're doing this. They just took it and, and like, escalated it and made it crazier but like i i still think it it's pretty like a neat a neat scene so like they start with the exorcism and of course karis out i mean the the demon out the gate he's like putting on his mother's voice like it's really sad because like that's like if you think like how scary that would be though like like you're t- like you are you know he's already mourning death of his mother he blames himself like he's this man is walking around with, with tons of catholic guilt <laughs> like <laughs> of a being catholic and also the fact that his mother died 
um, alone. I think the, 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 we find out she died alone in her apartment and was probably there for days before anyone found her. So it's like, it's just a terrible, awful thing. And that demon's like, love that. I love that about you. I I can see that. Like it's like it's like John Mulaney bit about middle schoolers yeah. who can like catch your weakness. Like ooh, yes, your mother died and you're sad about it. Great, I'm your mom. Ooh, I'm in hell. He's like, That's I'm something I'm sensitive sir. about. <laughs> ooh, I'm in here sucking dicks in hell. I'm your mother. Like it's really yeah, awesome. it's. It's it's going it's slow, but you know, like Father Marin's a boss. Take I don't understand how fucking sorry I don't understand how Karis even took that because like okay yeah she's doing your mom's voice that's terrifying but he's like oh I'm your mom's sucking cocks like your mom was eighty like she's not you know she's not doing that in hell come on now are you just are are you telling me you're gonna not be a freak at eighty? Well, not in hell. That's what heaven's for. <laughs> not in hell. In hell, you just never have sex again. That's. Oh man, that's what hell is. I like how this whole thing, you know, like Father Marin's just a boss. Like he starts, and Ra- Demon Reagan does that like green vomit spit like right in his yeah. eye, and he just keeps on with the 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 prayers. Just takes his glasses off, rubs it, and. Con- uh, con- another freaking thing he was not supposed to get shot in the face like that they decided to fucking calibrate the hose thing that shot the vomit to just like <laughs> get him in the face so good acting on him to be like shot in the face and then just kind of like stay in character just keep going <laughs> it was a nice shot the abuse right but it's yeah you know it's all it, you know it, it was a nice slow burny exorcism where we got we it was just basically father Marin being a rock and then clearly damien losing losing it but like yeah very and he has to leave calm. the room yeah he's like you need to get out of because here. He's, well Mar- well maren's like Step yeah out. collect yourself you're do- you're ruining this for me <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're not good at this um but do you like when karis come sorry oh, go ahead oh i was just gonna go on you might say what i'm about to say no no no, no, no go ahead <laughs> i was just i really liked and I don't know if I'm jumping over what you're going to say, but I like when they're like, we need to take a rest. And they leave. And you think, because again, Chris really cares about her daughter, but she's just not there. Mm-hmm. You think she would be outside that room the whole time. And, you know, there's been screaming and shit and blah, blah, blah. You think she would just be like ear up against that door. <laughs> what the fuck yeah. is going on? But I really just like they're just sitting there with their hands in their, on their face. They're just chilling on the the door the stairwell just almost kind of they're like you know they're down at the half how are they gonna br- yeah. how are they gonna bring it back yeah there's like cheerleaders in reagan's room just like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dance. all the all these like <laughs> suck you by just like doing doing cheers <laughs> i also forgot this great line that i i think is my favorite is when they when they do start the exorcism and Father Marin comes in. The demon's just like, "What a lovely day for an exorcism!" And I'm just like, "This demon is so fatty. <laughs> I like her keeper." Oh man, dude, yeah. This de- this What's the big deal. This demon's Twitter would be popping. I would go up to that demon's room every day and have her just tweet for me, like, "What? Okay, like her drafts." I'm just like showing her, like, "It's like this. This is what we're saying today." And she would say, "No, no, 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 no. You gotta. You need to." <laughs> An overall outfit, but nothing underneath. That'll do. <laughs> I'm t- 
another t- I had on a crop top. I had on clothes. I know. <laughs> I'm naked. I'm just making fun of I you. I hate you. I know. You're so mean. I'm awful. You're anti-feminist. Um Hey. What I did today was a feminist act. Oh, then yeah, I am. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Um so Yeah, so okay, so they take a break and um at one point, Marin and Karis have separated. So Marin's still in there. Karis is out. But when he comes back in, Marin is he's dead. He goes <laughs> and, and he goes like, I mean, I I think I took a CPR class once, but that's not what they teach you. He like Donkey Kong beats his chest. He's like he takes both of his fists and swims. You know, it's like he was trying to use his boxing strength, but it shows that maybe he's not a good boxer. That's how he was going at it. It's like you're just breaking all of his ribs. Like, this is an old man. Like, but yeah, so he's father. Um, Marin is dead. Karis is trying to revive him, question mark, but not working. And the, um, the demon is just like sitting there laughing and just like loving it because like it, we, well, the thing is we didn't see what happened like what caused Mar- he just did some something happened and now the demons having a great time about it so um after getting just like really worked up karis pummels Raiden's body and throws like- <laughs> her to the ground and starts beating her like beating punching her face it was not tactful <laughs> It really wasn't. My good the mom wasn't in the room. <laughs> yeah, you know, it worked out. Daughter. It worked out for his. But, you but know. as Yeah, but I no, I this is my favorite scene, though. Like, not the beating the child, but when they're fighting. <laughs> oh, my and God. And Karis, like, tells the demon, like, just kind of, like, come into me. Like, he like, bites him into his body. And he does. And he has this moment where, like, he's being possessed. And he's, like in between like fighting himself and the demon because he's going to reagan like kill her and reagan's like on the floor crying and like you know she doesn't know what's happening basically one minute as far as we know reagan was just at a was at the family's party and now she's woken up to this because right i don't Could you think imagine she's that? been here like she's just like <laughs> a priest I was so- with green eyes over my body trying to strangle me <laughs> uh, some party she's like whoa <laughs> someone broke into father Marin's pills no, oh, um, uh, Reagan invited Tatum, o- Tatum O'Neill over. They were, just, you know, doing some ketamine, and now she's like, "Fuck, what the hell?" So, um, but he he manages to, f- you know, fight the demon inside him. And aren't we all doing that? But he throws himself out of the window and you know commits suicide, but also to take the demon out of her, basically. And, whew, and that was that drop, fucking selfless. That is quite, yeah. It's pretty amazing. It's like wow, like he really sacrificed him his himself and threw himself out of a window and then fell down these stone steps. The famed exorcist steps that are in Georgetown that you can go visit. That's that for something you want to do, that's it's there. <laughs> that's a that's a plug for Georgetown. Please pay us. No, genuinely, if you look on the on like a map of Georgetown, it is one of like the um the, not a monument but kind of like popular destinations it's like exorcist steps like it's here you can go go <laughs> people like going there taking pictures but anyway he gets flung out of the window and father die um dyer just happens to just be like walking around 
And when he he comes upon Karis and it was a nice know, moment though. Week. You're like it was. They were friends. Like clearly, Karis because he was was he dead? Because it looked like he was still kind of tr- he was dying. Yeah, he was he alive. But you know, because I remember he like he could gra- he could hold Father Dyer's hand, but he was definitely like, like wasn't that that was that was a dying. beautiful moment. It's a beautiful scene because as Father Dyer is giving him his last rites because he can't speak, he's like he tells him like just to squeeze his hand to say yes. Yeah. So he like you see him like squeezing his hand and it's just like, oh, oh. Father Karis is great. What a hero in the end. And poor Dyer, who I in, in my head kid, Dyer definitely like, had a thing for Karis. Like they had, he had like a little. Yeah, he took his shoes off for him while he was passing out. In his little yeah, dorm, like, there's like a little. I think he's a little like you know some fifis for him. <laughs> his is close friend. Um, so yeah, it ends. Well, it doesn't end there because that happens and Father um, Karis dies. But later, Reagan is. We, we we jump in the future and she's. They're going back to L.A. Reagan only has some scars on her face, but she has no memory of what happened. Or I read somewhere, um. I think the TV Tropes page, and I think it was like their fridge horror. It was like, or Reagan remembers everything and just pretends like she doesn't remember anything. Mm. I was like, ooh, that's terrifying. <laughs> I hope she remembers nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're going to move um, back to L.A., and Dyer comes by, and Reagan doesn't know him, but she kisses him on the cheek after she notices his collar. So it's like... She has we a thing for knows, men of the clergy. Yeah, she's like, her last memory was her waking up to this like hot priest, just like just trying to strangle her. her, trying to strangle her, but then sacrifice himself. And she's like, "Wow, they're heroic." <laughs> she's like, "Priests can never do any wrong." And <laughs> <laughs> she's twelve. She doesn't know anything. She's like, "Priests are all good," and <laughs> they leave and. Um, Chris gives uh, Dyer the medallion that belonged to Karis and he just stands there walks away and then we get the end credit music which is so happy yeah <laughs> as if that all that didn't happen <laughs> oh man what a movie yeah I yeah it's it's a it's quite a movie but I think I have to say Sonique, mm-hmm. if this movie were a black movie, <laughs> how would it be different? I thought about you being like, you know, oh, just like my mom and her church friends would all come and blah, blah, blah. So, but I feel so an exorcism seemed to be not super helpful. So I don't think that that take that we usually say would work, that your mom and her church friends would be able to save yeah. black reagan not to be hmm, confused black with reagan. black Ra- reagan uh. the fictional black president <laughs> um i think that so we've deduced that what the biggest difference um between what makes a black film and a non-black film is the the question of just like how reasonable i think yeah. people are in the face of imminent danger like how are you reacting to it? I think that it would not be very much different. I agree. I think I love that. I love, I like smart characters. Like, guys, like, 
filmmakers, like your characters don't like your audience is not as stupid as you might think. You can make them your characters real people that they can relate to who are also smart and have re- like are reasonable and rational people. Because out the gate, Chris is like she's on top of things. Her daughter from from her just even walking out and peeing on herself is a me like concern. Jumping into it. She's she's acting like a parent. Like an actual parent would see that and be like, this is not my daughter. She's behaving the way I do not recognize. She's going to a doctor. I'm going to do what I can to get help. I think a lot of movie like filmmakers, I think some even today, and I don't know if this is a question of how movies were made back then versus now, I think they would have the same thing happen. And we would go for so long with this little girl like having a very clear issue and it being like, oh, oh, it's growing pains. It's hormones. Like, no. She's, you know that like, thing that is... happens to every <laughs> child, apparently. <laughs> oh, she's getting her period. It's why her head spun around 360. Like, no, she's something is wrong with her. Like, do something about this. And I like that Chris is a real person. She's persistent. She's, we see her get worn down by what's going on. Like, she knows that something is the matter and she's going to do anything she can to see that her daughter is helped, which is what a real parent would do. <laughs> who assume, I would hope, who loves their child at least would do. Right. I'm kind of talking about when we talked about the doctors and stuff, because it's I sometimes I you know I don't know if you get this, but sometimes I'll hear someone tell a story about a doctor, or you have those friends and family that like to diagnose themselves on WebMD. And mm-hmm. you think, okay, I-, I would listen to a doctor, but calm down. But then when it becomes personal to you, it you know, if it doesn't really satisfy what you want to hear, then you'll question everything. So, you know, she had mm-hmm. all these doctors come to her, but it's like, no, it's, I can, I know my daughter. I'm not just going to blindly accept what you're saying or, you know, because they wanted to do so many more tests on her. It's like, no, that's pointless. It's just going to say the same shit, which is wrong. It's like, you need to fix my daughter. And I know she's not wrong in the way you're telling me. And I feel mm. in a lot of movies, they just kind of, it's very easy for characters. Or, you know, like, that'll be a plot point is they just go along with a doctor for half the movie. And then they have to go along right. with another diagnosis. And then finally, maybe the third one is this twisting plot point. But not in this mm. one. I also think it'd be an interesting um, uh, addition. Let's say if Reagan and her mother were black, the added layer of, I think, um, Not- racial bias in medicine and that often black patients aren't listened to and are kind of dismissed. I think this happens a little bit and I don't know if it um is in part because reagan i mean chris is a woman and she's a single mom and she's not there with her husband with this you know it's not i think typically i think traditionally especially in this time you would see like a father who'd be the one who's like do something for my daughter and you know do you know really asserting his masculinity in that but it's interesting that it's a woman but she's she's still asserting herself but like as a mother do you like i think it'd be interesting if they were black and having to see that because i think it adds that layer of kind of having to advocate for oneself you know, that's how they try to kill um, Serena, you know? Yeah. Mm-mm. I like... Try to kill Serena. I, I don't like that. But <laughs> I like how... Yeah, right? How if if Chris was, you know, they could have very easily just been, oh, she's just a hysterical single mother. But if the, if the dad mm-hmm. was there, it's like, oh, he's just angry with righteous testosterone. 
Righteous testosterone sounds like a superhero. Righteous testosterone. It's uh, it's the only uh, erectile dysfunction medicine approved by the Catholic Church. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. <laughs> when's the next? Huh. When's the next pitch meeting for Shark Tank? I have an idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with that. But I think if you're gonna watch this movie. Um, I recommend you check it out. I I, I actually would suggest re- reading it more as like a drama. It was very like dramatic. a psychological thriller than like a horror movie because it's like it's not it's not that scary. It's really not like um, it just isn't. And, and and to be honest, since it's something that's been around for so long, we all kind of know. Like I think most people watching it, you know, like oh, you're gonna get a pea soup, you're gonna get like a head turn around, yeah. you get the crucifixing. Like you know about enough about it that like. It's not like you're going to really be surprised by it and definitely not surprised after you listen to this whole episode where we spoil the whole thing for you. But like, I think it's worth giving it a watch and maybe watching it um, as a drama or if you're rewatching it, watch it as a drama. I think it, it is very good. It's one to watch too, like we were talking about, because it's a classic. But also if you are just kind of like, because I've had some friends, mostly just dick bags that i don't like like ben shapiro have told me you know i'm not really into horror but i like listening to you guys talk about it but this is a good one to watch because then you can walk around with like this self-inflated ego saying i watch horror movies i watch the exorcist and if you bring it up to any boomer relatives they'll go oh wow you're brave that's i still can't watch that that's crazy like oh still can't you still can't sit in a pee Pea green room. I can't that, sit it's in like... a pea green room. <laughs> those those <laughs> frequent pea green rooms I'm sitting in. I'm like, okay, Uncle Ted, shut up. Um, <laughs> when you volunteer at the nursing home, you you can that'll be something to tell. It's like, hey, you know, I watched The Exorcist. <laughs> That's why there are no pea green rooms in nursing homes. Yeah, they're all triggered by it. Um, there's a lot we left out. Um, we won't go too. I don't want to go too much into it because we're also like we've been we've been going for a while now. But this is one of those movies too that has that like the the curse of the Exorcist, like that. It's like one of those movies similar to I think Poltergeist gets this um this uh, uh what is it called reputation as well of like oh some crazy things happened on the set of the Exorcist like. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of injuries, but I think I think it's mostly because because they just Freakins, didn't know Freakins. it's a monster. I don't think it's because of any kind of and like oh we've unleashed a demon. It's like no, your director is just fucking psychotic. Yeah, and- it just sounds like safety wasn't a huge concern <laughs> in general in these times. So it's not so much folklore so much as what would be an easy lawsuit nowadays. Yeah, it's like yeah, no, that's just just like OSHA should have been called. <laughs> I mean, it's all this happening here. I don't think anyone's there. No one's haunting the set of The Exorcist. That'd, but nice try. That'd be a nice bit where someone goes to explore explore the folklore behind these movies, and they're talking to someone that was, you know, the gaffer or something, and they go, "Oh yeah, like this thing, like, you know, like narrowly killed this person, but that's more so just because we we're, you know, over budget, so we couldn't afford proper fastening and blah blah blah." Well, that's, that's actually a documentary 
series that's on Shutter. Like I'm not like dead ass. It's called Curse Films. I started watching it the other day, and it's about um, horror horror movies that allegedly had curses around them. And it starts with The Exorcist, and um, I'm pretty sure that the the I feel like the running theme in all of them is. The people responsible for making these movies did things they should not have done. And that's all it was. Because one of the, the movies that's on it is that um, the Twilight Zone movie. And of, I don't know if you heard about the Twilight Zone accident when those kids were killed. Yeah. Oh, like, shit. Yeah. It was um, – the they were filming the Twilight Zone movie. And um, at one point, the director – I don't know whether – there was like a helicopter in the scene. And the director kept insisting that like he keep – flying it lower and lower and there were also pyrotechnics happening and then like the, the helicopter crashed and three people died and i think two of them were children damn um and much people were injured too and it was like again like oh the twilight zone was haunted like no the people who did the movie made four decisions that harmed it's like saying oh you know spider-man on broadway was a curse i'm like no it just was a dumb fucking, movie, <laughs> fucking musical that's all that happened it just shouldn't have been made that's yeah, you don't need to be Ed you know, Lorraine Warren to figure this shit out. Six Spider-Men were killed on the set of Spider-Man the Musical. We also didn't know how okay. to rig their flies, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, so if uh, you guys have Shudder, check that out. Because it's, it's just a lot of um, just poor decision making. It's all <laughs> boils down to. Um, if you like poor decisions. But, sorry. Just watch Chris. If you need to make up for your lack of making bad decisions on Night on the Town drinking, watch this whatever documentary. Watch these mistakes that had a larger budget and more and larger consequences. A larger budget. If anything, you'll feel better about the fuck shit you did when you were too drunk because at least you probably didn't kill some kids with a helicopter, okay? Like, you're doing all right. Could you imagine the one person that's listening to this and said, well, you know, I did have a few too many flirtinis and did kill those people with a helicopter? (laughs) Well, that person... um... Should go see a psychiatrist like Father Karis, who will hopefully be able to talk them through their trauma. That was really good advice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was The Exorcist. Um, Andrew, any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Um, no. This movie, it was nice to say that I saw it all the way through. What about you? Nothing else. Just check it out. Um, we are coming to a close. To man, it's, October's almost over. So sad. Um, we're coming to a close with a heavy hitters Halloween. Next week, you're going to get an awesome episode. Our final episode of the month. We're covering Halloween, the OG Halloween, with special guest Troy McKeady from the Dunzo Podcast. Um, it's going to be loads of fun. Troy is awesome, very funny, loves horror movies. So I'm super excited to have that conversation and for you guys to hear it. I too am excited. Yes. You're going to love it. Um, but yeah, that's all I have to say. Um, shall we say goodbye to them? Let's say goodbye. A sign off, if you will. Okay. Bye, Spooky Squad. So long. Farewell. Alvita saying goodbye. I thought you were going to join in. 
Oh, no, we can't use licensed music. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>